It's Grumpy Old Hangover as we discuss the geriatric comedy, Last Vegas. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy, and this is Stuart Wellington, and over here, Elliot Kalin. Uh, and we are the Flop House. Yeah. So uh, consisting of Dan McCoy, <laughs> Elliot Kalin, and Stuart Wellington as the, the Flop, Flop House. In the Flop House, brought to you by <laughs> All Things Comedy and Shutterstock. <laughs> Wait, no, not that. Squarespace. Ignore that last part. Wow. Forget it. Forget it, guys. The least professional Ruined. podcast in podcastdom. Okay. Um, so so hopefully you fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what do we do in this podcast, Dan? We watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Let yeah, me just well, say that because you screw it up every time. Let me just say... Uh, we watch a podcast and then we talk about a movie. We're taping this episode uh, the day before my birthday. Oh, wow. That's and, right. Uh, That's right. I don't see any presents. Anywhere. Our presence is our presence. I uh, assume that they're one. still on order. So uh, it's all right. You still have a day. Uh, yeah, I, I got a I got a shipping uh, notification from AdamandEve.com. Your your subscription to Wife's that, Butts DVDs. <laughs> is it something that you'll both enjoy? <laughs> Wait, me and you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Are we going to watch them together? Yeah, yeah the okay. joke that launched a thousand short stories <laughs> sent to us. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this is uh, well, a... Well, Dan, if it counts, uh, I've been, I haven't had a lot of time to get out of the house, but I've been making something for you out of the materials at hand, so I hope you enjoy the world's largest collection of baby poop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, anything that gets me in the Guinness book. He's, he's a well, good eater, your son, huh? Uh, yes. He's an, even, he's an even better pooper. Or is he one, like one of those House of if Lee's house? he's pooping more he... than he's eating, <laughs> yeah. then that is a bad sign. Well, uh, right now, the theory like the con- is that... conservation of matter would some, not... Somewhere in his intestine is a portal to the septic The elemental plane universe. of turds, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because a lot of, like... Pieces of metal, the kind Some of stuff you see, the kind of stuff you saw in the in the Dianoga trash compactor scene sure. in Star Wars. There's mm. a lot of that in his diet. All the things You're you would feed he, a goat. He's some sort of Iron Man. <laughs> uh, well, certainly his guts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, as you said, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Tonight, we watched a movie called Last Vegas, the sequel to Las Vegas. No, penultimate it's not. Vegas. <laughs> Um, this is this, this is the uh, not a sequel, but it's kind of a ripoff of the Hangover movies and uh, Sandlot. I mean, in that and it's Sandlot. a batch of, about a bachelor party that occurs in Las yeah. So Vegas. you take a little bit of the Sandlot or Stand by Me, just mm-hmm. a little bit, age it a lot, throw a dash of Hangover in there, and a little bit of like what Bucket List. Yeah, and you've a, got Last Vegas. It's your basic uh, grumpy old Vegas. Um, and That's a good one. That's a better title. This is the uh, second movie. In the past four movies, that uh, features Robert De Niro in a comedic role. Yeah, yeah. So it's got that going for it. It it does not have that going <laughs> for it. That is no. not a. Although I will say this, and let's just get this right off the bat. Let's compliment mm-hmm. this movie. Okay. Let's say a nice thing. The four stars of this movie: Michael Douglas, Morgan Freeman, 
Robert De Niro and Kevin Klein. Aside, Hollywood royalty. Hollywood royalty in that Michael Douglas is the Duke of Bel Air. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman is <laughs> the is the Viscount of Beverly Hills. Let's say okay. sure. Kevin Klein is of course the King of Kong, and <laughs> and uh, did I mention Robert De Niro is is one of the Borgias. <laughs> As himself. <laughs> so they, aside from Michael Douglas, who I can take or leave, uh, hmm. they... I, At this point, I would more likely take or leave Robert De Niro. I think Robert De Niro... I take them both, man. They're great. I say Kevin Klein and Morgan Freeman really charismaed up the joint. Yeah, they, they are the high points. I will movie. say that this is a funnier role for Robert De Niro than Grudge Match was, if only because he's not the energetic guy. He is the laconic guy, which is what he does normally anyway he, he's not particularly good in it but there are a few moments where it's like oh robert de niro just doing that robert de niro face he does where he's like muh, muh, works for yeah, the moment it's me, robert de niro, but if this was Perfect. just kevin klein and morgan freeman better movie yeah no they are they are pretty delightful in it i gotta say well, for a movie they, that's not they that triumph very good. over a movie that has has almost no writing and as Stuart, I think, said, barely is a movie. <laughs> but it's more a, a series of vacation slides yeah. of Las Vegas. It's a rough assemblage of scenes uh, organized around the theme of old people in Las it Vegas. It does kind of feel like they, like Dennis Hopper's last movie type thing, where they sent a director to Las Vegas with these guys. Las Vegas with these guys. They shot like 400 hours of footage and then disappeared. And the studio had to reclaim what was left and just cut a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. And there's just scenes that don't go anywhere, <laughs> scenes that go on for too long, scenes that seem to stop in the midst of a joke. Yeah. And any time it's any time a character laughs, it's like another character said they're like, "Great, end the scene. Let's get <laughs> out of here." Yeah, get out on a laugh. Uh, I don't think that means when the characters are laughing, this is the audience. Get out laughs. on a laugh, I said. All right. But uh should we talk about the plot? It's yeah, why not? I mean, if you can. <laughs> There's so we're introduced to these it's 1950-100, let's sure. say, in Flatbush Brooklyn. Amber color. And honestly, is there any reason for this movie to st- start out in the past like having seen the whole movie we have now to, we have to realize yeah. that they were kids once it shows okay. that these guys have been and they kids. didn't spring forth from some wrinkled womb <laughs> okay wrinkled themselves <laughs> like horrible raisin men <laughs> like california aside raisins from, aside from that <laughs> no those are great raisin men dude have some fucking respect <laughs> that you're saying that old people are born from old women is what you're well, saying in this case they could be we don't know but if like an old woman us. gave birth to a baby it would come out old like a benjamin button <laughs> yeah they did oh, not like old, like they, old is a genetic trait. You're saying they did not yeah. spring untimely from their mother's womb. It was like overtimely from no, their that mother's womb. Yeah, like if there's a movie about two mummies untimely, ripped, untimely. ripped untimely from his mother's womb means that it was a, it was a C-section. C-section. No, I, not I, I that she was old and he was old. <laughs> Just like how in Dead Alive the two uh, zombies have a zombie baby. If two mm-hmm. mummies had a baby, it would be like, I don't an know, Morgan dude. Freeman, I guess. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Mummy baby Morgan Freeman. Uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's 1950-whatever. We're introduced to four friends, the Flatbush Four, they call themselves, and their uh, their personalities are already right there. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro's character is sullen and punches people. Kevin Klein's character is a bit of a nerd. Michael Douglas's character is the fast-talking slickster, and Morgan Freeman is black. And those yeah. are their character dynamic personalities. Sure. A guy in a, in a leather jacket threatens them or something, and they... Steal a bottle of scotch and punch him and run away. Mm-hmm. So these yep. are these are hooligans. It's one of those things where like <laughs> it's a th- legend. If, if you set a mo- scene now in a movie and kids like stole a bottle of liquor and punched a guy, they'd be like, "Oh, these are bad kids." Yeah. But in the fifties, anything goes. 
Flash forward 58 years, just like the Bratz movie. Yeah, because 58 years later, it's their sophomore year of high school. (laughs) Things are not going well. They've been held back 50 times. Uh, But anyway, that's besides the point. Bratz and so forth. That joke mm-hmm. I didn't work out. Let's keep <laughs> moving, shall we? 58 years later, they all have their problems. Kevin Klein is living in Florida doing aqua aerobics. He feels old. But he looks he's, great. He's, but he's in great shape. He does not need to do aqua yeah, aerobics. He's married to his wife, Joanna Gleason, who you may remember as, as the Baker's Gleason. wife from uh, Into the Woods. The uh, Yeah, if you watched it on PBS or something? Yeah, if you saw the great performances. Um, she was also in West Wing. She they looks, were good performances. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, she was in West Wing as the Baker's wife. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just pointing out, you got your Kevin Klein, you got your Joanne Gleason's movie, Roger Bart shows up later, yeah, so a lot it's of all of your Broadway stars. A lot of Broadway stars, uh, by which I mean three. But <laughs> sure. uh, So he's in Florida hating his life. Morgan Freeman lives with his son's family, hates his life, takes a lot of pills. It's medicine pills, though. Robert De Niro is basically... <laughs> It's, it's not, not taking, like, well, like mo- Molly. Is yeah, that what he's not, taking? He's not, taking mothballs. He's not a hophead. It's not. Like, it's not like he's taking. He's, red, he's like bunch of lewds? ups and uppers and downers and red bennies and you know things like that. The uh, he's not. It's not Morgan Freeman is not like yeah buying pills off some guy in the back of a movie theater or something. I got to keep the energy up so I can play with my grandkids. What do you got? What do you got? You got to make me well, man. I got to get well. Anyway. Plays with his grandkids takes on a different meaning when it's Morgan Freeman. Boom. Boom. Swish. Nothing but (laughs) gross. Anyway, moving on. Robert De Niro is a widowed shut-in, and Michael Douglas is about to marry a woman one quarter his age, 31 years old. (laughs) I don't think that's one quarter his age. He is at least 120 years old. He's supposed to be 70. (laughs) Come on. I mean, he looks horrifying, he looks, right? There's a part where he falls in a pool, and when he gets out, he looks like Solomon Grundy. <laughs> like he just crawled out of a swamp. He's a half-decayed corpse. No offense to Michael Douglas. I really liked you in the Liberace movie. But mm-hmm. you look like, you are like the Crypt Keeper, but with a tan. Part of it's the costuming, right? Yeah, um, the makeup he, is wearing, he is wearing like a tuxedo and heavy makeup. So I mean, the Solomon costuming Grundy. in that, like, his Michael Douglas's face is an old guy's with perfect bleached Teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tom Savini style effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All his, of Tom Savini's zombies had beautiful his teeth. Head is, his, his head is filled with blood filled condoms, so it's going to explode. Wow. <laughs> Shoot it. That is a Tom Savini effect. So, anyway, Michael Douglas is, is realizes he he's, proposes to his girlfriend while he's giving a eulogy. At the funeral of a friend of his, mm-hmm. and this is not a good eulogy. That's not. Let's say non-traditional. <laughs> he's playing it for laughs. He starts telling the guy in the casket what a loser he yeah. was. Basically, I'm yeah. not going to give up like you. It's and the he, Comedy Central roast of the guy in the casket. <laughs> and he, uh, and he proposes. Michael Douglas would be a good get for that. Yeah, huge get. Oh yeah, <laughs> if he survived the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then he, <laughs> and on the spur of the moment, I like the idea that there are all these like roast funerals, and just Lisa Lampanelli shows up for all of them. <laughs> yeah, so this dead guy's here. Hey, too bad he's not black. Or Lisa Lampanelli can climb on, climb into the casket. There are all these people in the audience. She doesn't even know the corpse. <laughs> That's not fair. A writer wrote that material. They don't know each other. That corpse had a real career. What does Tosh know about that corpse? <laughs> 
Anyway. Anywho, so at the, in the middle of his eulogy, he proposes to a gr- his girlfriend. He tells his friends, except for Robert De Niro, because they had a falling out mm-hmm. a year earlier. It seems foreshadowing. Rob- it seems Robert De Niro and Michael Douglas were both interested in the same girl when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro married her, and then she died a year ago. And Michael Douglas did not attend the funeral. I guess because he didn't have any roast jokes written for the occasion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I just can't show up. They expect strong yeah. material from me, and I just don't have it right now. So they decide they're going to go on a bachelor weekend to where else but the sin of cities, the king of places mm-hmm. where you go for bachelors. Well, that was the first. That was the, the first time where I actually Las like. Vegas. I was kind of surprised by the movie because I thought what Michael Douglas was calling all his buddies and showing off how great he is at using his phone by doing four way calling or whatever. I thought he that's was going what, to. That's what, and that's what gets this movie into the science fiction label. Yeah, is that these are this is an old man who knows all the functions on his phone. So uh, I expected he him to be the like instigator for this yeah, whole like, thing. Yeah, like come on, you guys, you gotta come out. I'm getting married finally. But it, it's Kevin Klein, the uh, the Floridian Santa Claus mm-hmm. character, who <laughs> he just has a beard. <laughs> uh, so does Santa Claus? He's not so much Santa Claus as Art Carney from Harry and Tonto. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's just an old guy who's you know loves his wife, but he's a little tired of being in Florida and being married. He doesn't want to. So he... Well, he's tired of being old. He yeah. doesn't want to feel old. Yeah, and he is. They all basically they all feel this way. He They're wants all, to have a last. He feels Vegas, put out. If you will. He feels put out the pasture. <laughs> they all feel. And he wants to come back away from the pasture. They're a bunch of space cowboys who feel like they've got something else to offer. Yeah, yeah. They're on. A, they're on a boat trip. <laughs> Wait, that's not an old person movie. Out no. to sea. I mean, Roger Moore's pretty old in that. <laughs> um, they've yeah. got absolute power. It's just the Clint Eastwood movie. Well, it's pretty old. They're getting their blood work done (laughs) so that they can drive a Gran Torino (laughs) into a million dollar baby. Mm -hmm. We got a real grudge match. There you go. Okay, that's an old person thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's a real best exotic marigold hotel. Mm-hmm. So in there's cocoon. some uh, there's some hilarious laugh em ups as they all find their way to uh, Las Vegas. They all escape, and Kevin Klein's wife, before he goes, gives him a, a card that says, "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas," and taped to it is a one Viagra pill and one condom. She gives him a hall pass, if you will. Trademark, trademark me. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, wow. trademark Dan McCoy. It's a movie. There's a movie hall called pass. Hall Pass. Check it. That's patent trolling, right? Trademark. Yeah, it is exactly patent trolling. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. And you, sir, are a pox on society. <laughs> You're hurting innovation. You're hurting small business. <laughs> Whatever. They got to pay me for that. No. Oh, now you go live under your patent bridge and eat patent billy goats. <laughs> you patent troll. <laughs> Answer me these patent questions three, or across my bridge ye shall not be. Uh, anyway, uh, I like Klein. this. Wait, I like this patent troll character. Yeah, sure. So does he just like comb through the libraries of the patent office all the yeah. time, scurrying through the dark hallways to see what hasn't been patented? Yeah, he's, he's like, like, I got, I got your horns patented, gruff. <laughs> I, patent, are mine. I patented the concept of eating a tin can, goats. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, a goat callback. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so they uh, they go to Las Vegas. Kevin Klein wants to get laid. Morgan mm. Freeman wants to feel young again. Robert De Niro doesn't want to be there, and Michael Douglas is just kind of wandering around. You, you know, know, he's just he in it to have to a good time. Wants to be with his buddies, you know. And there's at first a problem because they booked a room at what was it, Binion's? Yep. Yeah, but there are but Binion's is closed for renovation in a really unnecessary side tangent that we didn't need to experience, except well, that it brings them into contact with a startlingly singing siren, a mm-hmm. sultry starlet, a sensational sex 
symphony savvy sex sex lady snappy steen virgin if a you will Mar- steen virgin comma mary <laughs> known as mary steen virgin who is singing her sultry seduction sonatas <laughs> in the secluded space of the solitary oh, uh how do you, what's an s word for there's nobody there i don't know Sempty, <laughs> Sempty of audience's members, okay. room at the Binion ca- uh, Casino. Yeah. They hang out with her for roughly 17 days. To find solace. To find solace in these septarians, septuagenarians. Like, <laughs> yep, they all hit it off with her immediately, and they basically just get her to leave work in the middle of her There's singing no audience. set. There's no audience. There's like I, two other people in that audience. I have to assume her backstory is that like she owns the place, <laughs> and she sings there yeah. as a hobby, or maybe like... She didn't explain that when she was explaining her personal history. Yeah, that, well, she, he, Michael Douglas cut her off in the scene yeah, where we stopped true. paying attention. We were paying attention to the people <laughs> in the background and the signs and such. Because it was so much more interesting <laughs> than what was happening in the foreground. So they go... Binion's is on the old strip, right? That's it is the on idea. the old strip, yeah. So yeah, like that's that's why it's now, also. You guys know Las Vegas. I've never been there. I've no real interest. But you guys have been there a lot. Oh yeah, of we're times. we're fucking pros. Yeah. <laughs> You're old vague hands. I mean, if if uh, You're a bunch of Vegas. If two Whoa, times we are. Yeah, yeah, jumping Don't around. Don't knock my Spain. mask off. <laughs> With your one Wolverine claw? You might claw. mess up my beautiful face. Uh, no, I mean, you know... The, Sultry, the, Spaniard, Vega. Basically, all we're saying is, like, there's an old there's an old Las Vegas, and then, like, there's the new strip. The last Vegas, if you will. And, yeah. uh, like, so, Steen Virgin is singing at this, like, the old, like, seedier casinos, and that's why no one's there. And then the, most of the thing takes place in the new strip. And because it's convenient for plot purposes that she can just leave work whenever she wants. Yeah. 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 So they go to, which hotel was it? Uh, Arias. Yeah. Arias. The, so a, I'm guessing sponsor one. of the movie. Because there are a lot of scenes set there showing how amazing it is mm-hmm. and how easy it is to win a $5 buffet coupon at their prize wheel. Is that a Las yeah. Vegas thing? I mean, I that, that I totally seems probably. like something you, you would You just pay a dollar in the lobby for a, a Wheel of Fortune prize type thing? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like a or opening entranceway portal to gambling. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's just a dollar and I can win $5 off the buffet. And next thing you know... You're sitting down at a blackjack table winning $100,000. porthole of gambling. <laughs> yeah, Morgan the dark Freeman side does. of gambling. <laughs> the dark side of gambling is you might end up with too much money. <laughs> oh, it doesn't fit in my pockets. Ah! Yeah. That's, uh, that's, yeah, that's one of the first things that, that Brewster's so this is, Millions. So this is the first point syndrome. where the characters split up and just kind of wander off like old men and have their own mini mini adventures mm-hmm. yeah. before re- going back to the main party and going back on the main quest. We, we have a great little uh, side quest with uh, Roger Bart. Yeah, as a well, that's Madonna. Kevin Klein sees a woman from behind, thinks it's a woman, goes and hits on her. Turns out to be Roger Bart as a Madonna impersonator, and then they have a surprisingly long conversation that goes on for a while, and they become fast friends. Well, this is one of the like this fast is, five friends. This is a weird that's, scene in that's the movie. Also kind of patent trolling. No, <laughs> I copyrighted that. This is the a idea weird. of speedy numbers. That's mine. <laughs> this is a weird scene in the movie because it does the normal thing, which is to. Like you think it's setting this transvestite up as the butt of the joke, uh, that and like he's gonna see it's a transvestite and go like, go go go, and then walk away. Uh, but then like it ends up being like Kevin Klein then has a lengthy, friendly conversation with him and his other. You seem and, super like, understanding of trans lifestyles <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and his coworkers. I mean, they seem to be professional transvestites. Well, yeah, yeah. they're they they've got a drag show, but like the, the it's it's just weird because it's talk just, like, about a drag show. I saw it. It was depressing. <laughs> They reenact 
the lowest moment in every one of these female celebrities' lives. The Whitney Houston scene is impossible to sit through. I had to get up and leave. I thought it, when it was over, I finally walked in. That's when the Patty Hearst scene started. Oh, boy, was it rough. Doesn't sound like a very popular drag character. <laughs> Patty Hearst? Patty Hearst. No. <laughs> Uh, but well, it's like a roller derby character, Patty Burst. <laughs> sure. I just found it interesting because it's oh, no, just like... No, Patty Hurts would be the roller <laughs> That's derby That's way better. I was Patty say. Hurts, yeah. It's like, how do I feel about this scene? They're still setting up the usual joke of a guy mistaking a, a guy in a dress for a lady. But, but at the now same they're time, friends. it's sort of understanding? I don't know. Well, well, it's it's just, so hard to be mad at Kevin Klein. It's, just so, yeah. it's, it's the one progressive moment in a movie which is otherwise old men leering at boobs for like an hour <laughs> yeah. and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it like the one thing they don't have in the movie is Rodney Dangerfield like bugging his eyes out at a girl shaking her chest in his face, <laughs> but they kind of do have that. Yeah, yeah there's but, that great sequence where they with LMFAO. where they uh, where yeah. they are at an LMFAO themed uh, themed LMFAO hosted no, bikini no, contest it's LMFAO yeah, yeah. themed. Everyone wears retarded clothes and, <laughs> and sings that. Stupid I apologize song. for saying that word. Yeah, LMFAO. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so clothes. <laughs> So yeah, we they, all know what they, they, they have said you terrible. Somehow person. they buy their way into a uh, into a bikini oh, judging well, so contest. So Morgan Freeman wins a hundred thousand dollars at blackjack uh, because he cashed out his pa- half. And of he his not, he makes Turtle lead the table or something. Turtle from Entourage, who's lost a lot of weight, gets mm-hmm. uppity with Looking him. Looking great, and they make him and. How do they make him leave? They just threaten him? I don't remember. Like, I don't, uh, like he knocks Rob, a beer on him. Robert and the guy De Niro gets shows frustrated. up and tells him to leave or something. No, no, no. Morgan know. Freeman just, dr- knocks a beer on his lap. He just gets frustrated. He, he got a call he knocks about a the Stella Artois beer on his lap. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so well, Michael. Du- well, people are taking turns hanging out with Mary Steenburgen. He wins this money, and they go to this LMFAO hosted bikini contest where they get. I guess they buy positions as judges. Mm-hmm. And this scene is literally just like. Six straight minutes, it feels like, well, of them just looking at women in bikinis. Yeah, girls bouncing around bikinis. You missed the subtext, Elliot. LMFAO is going to lose their casino, so they need bikini girls to uh, raise money to save it. I don't. I didn't because realize gambling that. doesn't make enough money for them. Or else, party rockers, their casino would yeah. be closed down <laughs> yep. and turned into condos for evil developers. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the, Reginald Bucksworth. <laughs> yeah, the smooth jazz casino. The third, is my in. good man. The smooth, yeah, because <laughs> Kenny G is going to knock it down and build. Build a smooth jazz emporium. <laughs> Your rock and roll has no place in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's what he says. Yeah. We're all about keyboard music mm-hmm. and vibraphones. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's that. Uh, the so there's this great... From LF, or are you going to talk about... I was going to say there's this great uh, bikini contest where they just keep giving them all 10s, which totally devalues that rating. Yeah. If you give yeah. everybody a 10, then if everybody's a winner, everybody's a loser. It's the Rolling you know? Stone yeah. three-star review of Bikini Contest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're like making the Incredibles argument. You're like, what is this, a participation award? Come on. Exactly. But then an old lady comes out in a swimsuit, and they give her an 11, which I assume means she wins whatever the prize is. Yeah. And uh, then the got lead from LMFAO takes his pants off and waves his crotch in Robert De Niro's face. Mm-hmm. And so... you think the scene's going to end with Robert De Niro ripping that man's throat out with his teeth. Instead, yeah. he gives him a, a zero, and everyone's like, "Yeah." I assume this already exists on but the internet. They put so much work into it. 
But if you want to make a gif of the guy from LMFAO rub, rubbing his crotch in uh, De Niro's Not face. Not rubbing, shaking. There's <laughs> shaking. no physical yeah. Waggling his crotch. Waggling is a perfect face. word for it. I'm sure in the director a, was like, you can waggle, just don't touch in it. In a bejeweled yeah. bikini brief. It's in his contract. <laughs> Robert De Niro saw that Your part penis. of the script and it, said, and it said rubs and he crossed out and wrote waggles. <laughs> can, we get, can we get, the, it's in my contract, no more than... No less than two and a half inches from my face. Don't you think it'll be funnier less than. if he doesn't touch me? <laughs> yeah. That's my De Niro impression. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah, no, that was very bad. <laughs> uh, not like I can do a particularly good De Niro impression. No, it goes either. like this. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> it's me, Robert De Niro. What the fuck are you doing there, dude? Uh, it's, it's me. Are you fucking Robert, patent trolling again? Robert De Niro. I yeah. was in the Godfather Part Two. I've got the patent on hello, hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, so. Eng- we, England better pay you. Yeah. So they. Mm. Moving forward. Moving forward, which is not what the movie does. The characters wander around Las Vegas for a long time. They do old, they do young people stuff, but at some old. point they it's get that Dor- it's that Doritos Locust mm. Red Bull Taco commercial, whatever yeah. the hell it was. It's a whole With, movie of a rapping granny. Yeah, it's yeah. If this would be better if it's rapping granny the movie, because I'll tell you what that is. Charting the rise and fall of this rapping granny as she reaches for the stars but flies too close to the sun, and her old person wings of wax melt, dropping her. To the gutter and rock bottom. So tonight, who's going to be the devilish figure in this? Tonight on VH1 Behind the Music, <laughs> Rappin' Granny. Oh, I guess her agent is the... No, no. her No, yeah, her agent is, is the Dautilus figure. The Dautilus? Yeah, because he always dawdles. <laughs> nice. And uh, she's, of course, yeah, the Icarus in that... She is the son... She's the daughter Wait, of what? a man who built the labyrinth, mm-hmm. and then they were trapped in it. Okay. The Duddits figure. The, the Duddy <laughs> Kravitz figure. We're not allowed to talk about Duddits. We're <laughs> not doing a Dreamcatcher episode. <laughs> so, uh, the... Let's just skip to whatever the closest. Plot <laughs> at some point, point is. they get they they end up because Morgan Freeman did so well. They uh, at the casino with this gambling thing. They are uh, given a, a I guess some kind of a life ward by the name played <laughs> yeah, by no. Romany Malco. <laughs> yeah, a life ward. <laughs> They're called. I won't make that. They're sure. giving an giving an old man apprentice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, or who he is as this movie was directed by the director of Sorcerer's Apprentice. I mm-hmm. think that's appropriate. Exactly. They John are gi- Turtletop. They're given the 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 massive suite that's usually reserved for fifty cent, mm-hmm. and he shows up later in a hilarious cameo mm-hmm. where he wants to join in the old man fun, but is turned away at the door because he's not an ARP member. Yeah. No, I wish that was it though. But, but anyway, it, was a, it was a great ad for this. I guess penthouse you can rent at this. Hotel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, they live at this penthouse and hang out with girls and. Yeah, they take Ronald turns hanging Vegas out with stuff. Mary Steenburgen. It turns out uh, Rob De Niro has a crush on her. Michael Douglas has a crush on her. She starts to feel affection for Michael Douglas. They throw a huge party for Michael Douglas that they invite every character we've seen in the movie to, including like the cast of Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roger Bart and his other drag uh, his friends, up, his drag pals, dragons. Uh, they're called. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a women from the bachelorette party that from they met down at the club. Turtle is there, having become their slave after yeah. he is told that they are East Coast mob bosses <clears throat> who could have him killed. Yeah, Romney Malco for some reason has decided to make them apologize. Turtle apologized to them for uh, getting in fisticuffs uh, by pretending that they're all mob people, and the and thus uh, Turtle is in. <laughs> Fear of his life for the rest of the movie and does whatever they want him to because he doesn't want to die. I think it's because somebody told him he'd get to act with Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. No, I can understand why he took the role. I don't understand why the character is doing that thing. (laughs) 
So they throw this big party. They go to love him. Where all their yeah. dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman sees his son who tracks him down. Just and like says, Draco Malfoy loves uh, Dobby or Doby or whatever the fuck you call that little guy. Adobe, the car that's made out of clay? <laughs> Wait, yeah. Adobo? Yeah, Adobo, a Bobo from Final Fight, right? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's Double Dragon. The oh, Bobos are those big guys. Oh, that's right. I got my side scrollers mixed up. Anyway, is there anything? Any way we can talk less about this movie? Yeah, they get to, they have a big party. Uh, Morgan Freeman's son catches up with him, and yeah. he says, "Hey, just because I'm old doesn't mean I don't want to dance. So let's hang out, and drink. Uh, Do we have a Ke- synchronized dance at that point? Yes, there certainly is. Kevin Klein and Mar- Morgan Freeman takes his time dancing with every one of the drag queens. Uh, or you know, cross-dressing performers. I don't know what they what the what the professional name is. Sure. Uh, they uh, Kevin Klein manages to snag a bridesmaid from the group of people mm-hmm. who earlier told him that he reminds her of her grandpa. Yeah. But now she's totally into him and wants to have sex with his grandpa figure. But after she takes off her clothes, he realizes, you know what? If he can't share this experience with his wife, who said, "Do what you want, but don't tell me about it," then it isn't worth having. And so yeah. he says, "Hey." Thanks, but no thanks. I found this denouement a little disappointing. Although I did like that. The I mean, lo- it I was, was a way to s- trick her into seeing her boobs, like in Screwballs. <laughs> but I did kind of like the like sweet moment of the, the woman being like, "You know what? I wish I could marry a guy like you someday." I thought you were and then uh, Kevin Klein afterwards being like, uh, "But I bet a blowjob would be okay as she's leaving," which was a a ruder joke than I expected the movie to make. Uh, yeah, because you're like. Man, he is a good guy and a creep, just yeah. like me. I think you're forgetting yep. that I called that line. Yeah, that's true. Literally saying it a couple seconds before it happened. So who's the creep now? Elliot's the creep. You're I'm right, the Dan. creep, or am I secretly the author of Last Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> and I William s- F. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I'm put my, my myself into the mind of a creep to write this part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was difficult. I studied creeps. I read up on them. I followed Dan and Stewart around for a while. <laughs> Hey, wait, why am I being brought into this? Uh, well, uh, two words. Wormy boner. Okay, yeah, I made that up. And let's continue. So, Kevin Klein and Morgan Freeman, their character arcs are over. Mm-hmm. Now, Robert De Niro... <laughs> they might as well die. Yeah, they might as well drop dead right now in the movie. Not in real life, they're national treasures. Robert De Niro says to Michael Douglas, do you really love this woman you're marrying? And Michael Douglas is like, ah, she's really nice. And he's like, no, no, no. If you don't really love her, you shouldn't do it. Uh, and then... Mary Steenburgen shows up at the party. They're both interested in her, and Rob- Michael Douglas pushes Robert De Niro into a pool so that he can get to her first. <laughs> Which is really off limits. Like of all the terrible things that they do, like you just like he's an old man. Like like De Niro just elbows old Michael Douglas. No, no, <laughs> oh, Michael wait, Douglas. Sorry, the hip other way around. Checks Robert De Niro into the pool. Michael yeah. Douglas could have broken his hip doing that. Yeah. If anything, you wait. Should Michael feel Douglas more- could have broken his hip hip checking Robert De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Wait, what? He was in yeah. Grudge Match. He was in Grudge Match. He's keeping it tight. And then he and then he falls in the pool and then gets to do like some good like face wet acting. He mm-hmm. does, Michael uh, Rob De Niro's response when he falls into the pool. His facial expression it's like he's in a Stooges movie. <laughs> yeah, he and might as like, well have whoa, had a whoa, cream. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he might as well have fallen into a vat of cream pies. <laughs> <laughs> just like everything these old guys do in the movie, 
every time they do something, beautiful women flock to them because mm-hmm. that's the coolest thing they could have ever possibly done. Yeah, for some reason. So this it is movie, very much a like arrested male fantasy. The whole movie. Yeah. Oh, the idea that that you get to men, hang out with Kevin Klein and Morgan Freeman all the you, time. That you get to have a Las Vegas. <laughs> that and men ladies. of that men of any age are like catnip to big-breasted women yeah. in their mid to early twenties. Sure. I'm guessing. And, and also, though that, the world has moved on. I mean, you I buy that with Kevin Klein, but no one else. Dude. And also, but also that like this is well, yeah. I mean, he's great. Kevin the Klein's extras great. in this movie are cast like a Cinemax bikini movie. Every woman in the movie, aside from Mary Steenburgen, seems to be about twenty-four years old, super chesty, and wearing either a bikini or a dress made out of like some kind of second skin fabric that. Just hugs, like hugs. Psylocke would wear. Like, I've never been to Las Vegas, but it seems like for a huge tourist destination, there were no tourists walking around. There was just like sexy ladies mm-hmm. everywhere. And yeah. I want to know where is this legend, this fabled city of the sexy ladies? <laughs> this last Vegas you speak of. <laughs> this Lust Vegas, which would be a good name for Yeah, I think that's show. a great idea. Yeah. You know what? Let's pitch that. It's okay. called Lust Vegas. And it's at a casino where people pay in sex. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you it's win? It's about a call-in uh, You win pleasure show. beyond yeah. your wildest dreams. Where people call in and they talk about their sexy times in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. No, well, it's, and it's sex-themed games. Yeah. yeah. So, like, instead of poker, it's strip poker. I mean, you can just keep the name poker. <laughs> yeah. Instead of roulette, it's, I don't know. Booblet. Booblet. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Great. And Michael Booblet <laughs> plays it. <laughs> And instead of slot machines, they're just slot machines. Yeah, slot I mean, machines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, disgusting. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, the uh, we've all said things we regret tonight. Oh, oh yeah, we've had a real Las Vegas experience. What stays in Las Vegas episode? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. What happens in the Las Vegas Las podcast? Vegas? Okay, in when, the Las Vegas happens in the stay when Larry's when Las Vegas met Sally. No, no, wait. no. When cousin Larry <laughs> met Suzanne Vega, they went to Regis. All right. When Vega from Street Fighter 2 stays in Las no, Vegas. But not, no. but not when, Super Street Fighter 2, because no. he's an asshole. When Lou Vega slays Lassie, <laughs> it stays. When Lassie Halbstrom uh, <laughs> makes a racist. Wait, oh, this hold sounds on. like this is the worst prophecy I've ever heard. <laughs> no, trust me, it's a quatrain. It'll, it makes sense metaphorically. <laughs> anyway. So um, they so everyone they're all happy. mad at each other, but then in the end, Rob De Niro stops Michael Douglas from marrying this girl by pushing him into a pool. Mary Steenburgen and Michael Douglas are going to get married, and there's a couple shots of Morgan Freeman looking like he's getting uh, experiencing another stroke. There's a scene <laughs> where Michael Douglas is talking about how he's old, but he doesn't want to be old, and what happened to his life, and they keep cutting to Morgan Freeman, literally just staring at into the distance. <laughs> And you just wonder, like, what is he? Do- what is he thinking at that it's moment? It's like uh, it's like they took a still <laughs> image of Morgan Freeman and just put it up on screen. Yeah, what was the? What was like the uh, the the Russian theor- theorist? Was it like the Kuleshkov? Yeah, the uh, Kuleshov. Yeah, like the exper- experiments where they <laughs> just like true. use you the put, same expression. If you put and Morgan edited Freeman it. and then cut to a, a shot of soup, he'd be hungry. You yeah. showed Morgan Freeman and cut to a shot of like a, a grave. He's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Show Morgan Freeman and cut to a shot of boobs, and you have the movie Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's, it's a blank expression. Yeah, what we're yeah, it's a it's a beautiful experiment in <laughs> shot conjunction and juxtaposed editing. Yeah. So Michael Douglas, the theory of montage. In the end, everyone's happy, and Kevin Klein. Speaking of montages, there's a great wife. there's a great dress up montage. That's in this true. Movie. true. There is no with Romney Malco looking at them and shaking his head, thumbs, thumbs up, shaking up. his head. It is the laziest 
dressing up montage. They never even get dressed in anything really crazy or silly. No. That was in their contract. I mean, Morgan Freeman's dressed in a kind of a crazy jacket the whole time. It looks like the devil. Like a quilty thing. If Bullet in the Head could squeeze in a silly hat mask dress up (laughs) scene, then surely Las Vegas could spend some time and energy into that. Yeah. But I feel is, like I feel like Kevin Klein pushed for more of a crazy dress up thing, and Robert De Niro poo pooed it. Uh 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 uh. I'll wear I'll wear two silly jackets, but they can't be that silly. Uh, so this is a movie that feels like a bunch of doddering old men wandering around Las Vegas. Uh, but it's not. They don't really do too many. They say quippy old man jokes, but there's yeah. no situations where they're old. There's no Mr. Magoo type Wait, things. You did know? we get the final ending though, where like. Uh... Michael uh, Douglas is going to marry ends up Mary with Stringer. Mary Stringer. Mary Stringer. Mary Stringer. Yeah. And, and Robert De Niro is no They're going to get married. Him. That's opening yeah. the door to Las Vegas 2. We didn't stick around until the end of the credits, so there might have been a stinger. There's and, probably uh, a stinger scene where like 50 Cent looks at the camera and is like, those guys know how to party. Wink! Kevin Klein <laughs> doesn't. teeth sparkle, and then a magic fairy <laughs> hits him with a wand, and he turns into a frog or some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, my God. He's that frog character from the Las Vegas comics? Amazing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And Kevin Klein doesn't answer his phone telling him that uh, Michael Douglas is getting married because he's too busy in conjugal joy with his wife, Joanna Gleason. In a circular bed, like yeah. the one from Las Vegas. So did he buy one of those? I, I or did guess. they go and they somehow afford that? I was suite? having a... Yeah, I was wondering... I was talking I'm to Stewart. We were wondering like what the value of the circular rotating bed is. We're not like, going to we talk about it's a sex our, our, our sexual suggestions for how you would use... I know, but like, that, seems, that seems totally out of character for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm just confused. I don't understand what the necessary sexual advantage I think of having it, a rotating bed is. It requires one person to stand, stand off to the side of the bed. I'll tell you this. Dan, uh-huh. have you ever had an orgasm while dizzy? <laughs> okay. Because if not, you have not lived. <laughs> you start spinning while you're doing it, and you'll see what I tell, what I mean. Like David a normal Carrey human died. has to just spin around during the process. <laughs> like, I guess, like a. <laughs> Wait, how are you having sex? <laughs> Hold on. Uh, the right way, dude. Okay. Yeah, uh, it saves you the trouble of balancing on your penis and spinning around that way. <laughs> I don't know that you guys sure. are doing this. That's way. how Bazooka Joe <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> Why Bazooka Joe? Because <laughs> they always do the backwards flip when they hear the joke, right? Well, that's oh, not the flip a, take. Yeah, that's but they're not spinning, spinning. he's just falling over yeah, backwards. Yeah, but that's just, it's like the same thing. Not at all, in any way. So this movie, if I was going to subscribe it, I'd say it's like Grown Ups, the movie, with old people. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, these four actors were offered a vacation in Las Vegas if they would occasionally appear in front of a camera and just talk to each other. Yeah. yeah. But that all, but That's Kevin explaining Klein, the, the minuscule budget. But Kevin Klein and Morgan Freeman almost save it in some cases because they're just charismatic old men. <clears throat> yeah, uh, let, yeah, let's skip to Final Judgments, and I'm going to start off, and I'm going to... I'm going to actually say that I I really, by the slimmest of margins, kind of like this movie. Mm, on a by scale the skin of, of their dentures. They on made a scale of good, bad movie, bad, bad movie, movie I kind of liked, just on the basis of the charm of the actors and, as you say, mostly Kevin Klein and Morgan Freeman, I kind of liked it. It's not a good movie. What it is is a kind of enjoyable sitcom about four old guys. It's the Golden Guys. It is the Golden Guys, yeah. You know, so I kind of liked it on that level. The Golden Guys go to Las Vegas. Uh, Stuart, what do you got to say about it? I think that's fair. I mean, it's it could easily be a bad, bad movie. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you, though. I feel like it's it's such a non-movie, but it's it's so inoffensive, and Kevin Klein can be kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I guess... I, I don't know if I would agree with inoffensive, since, again, it is... An entire movie no, of old men right. leering at women's boobs. Mm-hmm. But 
I like it doesn't. Not, I guess it's inaccurate. just super. I guess it's no just... old men do. do I mean, men of all ages do that. But I don't know if the, there should have been more substance to the movie. Maybe. Yeah, and by substance, I don't mean like a message or like emotion. I just mean jokes that well, are. I guess just holding like, a mirror yeah. up to nature isn't enough for you. <laughs> I'm just saying, if that if at that age we can't fight our bestial urges, then what hope is there for humanity? <laughs> I like if there was. I mean, it, there aren't jokes really. It's right? one of those movies where like there's a couple old man jokes in the beginning. And then they kind of forget that they're old men for a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like they're just not 20-year-olds, you know? I mean, there's a couple... Once again, Morgan Freeman and Kevin Klein accomplish a lot with just, like, funny body movements. And there's and a good scene where... Yeah. Uh, there's a scene that's kind of funny where uh, Morgan Freeman drinks a bunch of vodka, of vodka and Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah, and then just starts talking and can't stop talking. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. I, and a less yeah, talented a actor scene. would have made that inseparable, but he managed to make it work. I will say, yeah, this like movie, if Robert De Niro had been the one for that to happen to, it would have been terrible. Uh, less no talented offense. than Morgan Freeman is what he's saying. Robert wow. De Niro. Wow. I would say he's wow. less funny than Morgan Freeman is. Yeah, that's true. Less okay, funny. Okay, less certainly. funny. I'll buy. Yeah. I would say this movie doesn't really fit into our categories. I cannot say it's a movie I kind of liked. There were a couple times when I laughed at it, but it's not like I feel like for a movie to be something I kind of liked, I would have to like have gotten. More than like a thimble full of pleasure yeah. watching it. Maybe I just enjoyed watching it with my buddies. I will you say, you know that- what? When we're all old, fifty-eight <laughs> years from now, let's watch Las Vegas together. <laughs> yeah, how's that going to happen? So we're all going to show up to La- Las Vegas. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan's going to be getting married again, I guess. Yeah, of course. By that point, it will be called Las Vegas because the apocalypse will have happened. Sure. Bikers will roam the earth, and it's going to be run by mutants. Of course, of course. But they're still running good casinos. Yeah. If anything, they're a little more honest than the people running the casinos. Yeah, the now. mutants are honest, of course, to yeah. a fault. But the mutants are kind of prudish, so there's no drinking, and prostitution is yeah, now illegal in the because state of the radiation priests. Exactly. <laughs> the radiation priests who believe that the nuclear war yeah, those, was the, the glow. Egg of a righteous God. Yeah. yeah, of course. And has gifted the mutants with uh, beloved uh, radiation and mutation. And yeah, because that, that was his gift upon being touched. And of course, they keep the last So we're going of, to arrive. They keep the last oh pieces boy. of uranium Battle hardened road warriors. inside of Binion's, and people are exposed to it to see what God has in store for them, okay. what gifts he's going to give them. Usually it's cancer, but sometimes it's like a superpower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's radiation, Dan. That's what it does okay. to people. Well, but anyway, I would say... <sighs> It's not a bad, bad movie or a good, bad... It's not a good, bad movie, but it's not... This yeah. is a... Uh, I tell you what. I think Dan would... I, this is what I think Dan would think of as a movie to watch on a plane. Yeah. If you want to see it... If you're a young actor and you want a object lesson in how uh, being charming can save material, maybe okay. watch this movie. That's good, This yeah. is a learning experience. As homework. Um, so, uh, before we move on to our next segment, uh, just to want to... Take a moment for a word from our sponsor. And this episode, again, thank you uh, for continuing to sponsor us, is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform making it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. Look, guys, I've said it before. Mm -hmm. It's the modern world. Exactly. what? Everyone (laughs) is on the internet. Literally, We're on the internet right now. Literally everybody. Yeah, this is you're listening People to People are listening internet. to us through the internet. We were digitized and I live on the internet mm-hmm. like a bunch of lawnmowers. Like a bunch of kid videos. Like a, a bunch, bunch of, of trons. Vir- a bunch of virtuosities over here. <laughs> a bunch of brain scans. But the point is, <laughs> if you're not on the internet, you are a chump. So you need a website. Uh, now, you didn't say champ, right? No, I said chump. That's the opposite of a champ. Yeah. And chimp is kind of the middle ground. <laughs> but you're a chump. Get on the internet. Chimps start can your be website. sometimes. And if you want to start your website, a good way to do that is to go to squarespace.com slash 
Flophouse and enter offer code Flophouse at checkout for 10% off. Uh, here's the thing about Squarespace. You don't want to learn HTML. No, you're not a nerd. Come on. <laughs> Squarespace makes it easy. No, you listen to a cool podcast. <laughs> you got uh, your options. You got beautiful design with their uh, pre-made templates. You got drag and drop content. You can Dragons. just click on something and drag <laughs> it over. And the computer does the business for you. No, Stuart, it's not drag and droppings. <laughs> you can drag and drop in a graphic interface. Yeah. Uh, you got 24-7 tech support through live chat and email. And plans start at a mere $8 a month, including a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You also have responsive design. Your <laughs> website will look beautiful on, say, a phone or a tablet. With great power comes responsive design. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the original And uh, every well, site comes with an online store. So why don't you uh, go over to Squarespace, use the offer code FLOPHOUSE to get 10% off your first purchase, and to show your support for us, the FLOPHOUSE. Your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. And thank you to Squarespace for their support of the FLOPHOUSE. Thanks, Squarespace. And uh, thanks to the listener for going to Squarespace. But uh, and now... And buying their products. And for listening to our show. Yeah, not that, not that as much. Squarespace. <laughs> Do that. A better tomorrow, right? Uh, is that <laughs> I don't thing? think so. I don't know. I think I that might be check. That's like consumer <laughs> products. Yeah, it's like Oscorp or something. <laughs> so, um, or Max Shrek Industries. Let's uh, move on to uh, letters. Letters from listeners. Listeners from letters. Wait, this is very unusual. Some other chump used to sing a song about letters, (laughs) but not today, because it's me, Stuart, You're taking advantage of the fact that I'm tired from taking care of a baby. That's why I've been kind of bad this episode, and this letter song's not very good. Take it, Stuart. Take what? I'm too busy reading a letter. Dan is holding it and rubbing my legs because they're tired from working and running around I'm and being a steward. <laughs> so your relationship is kind of a five-year-old and his dad type thing. I didn't realize being that a, being at a all. Steward is inherently tiring to legs. Okay. Yeah. Well, you see, Stuart works standing up. That's true. Plus, he hops uh, everywhere. Wait, do I have to sing another part? No, it's fine. <laughs> it's an operetta, Stuart. Yes, you do. I think it's fine. Um, verse, verse, chorus, verse, right? So, yeah. no. <laughs> On the first day of Stuart, this Stuart gave to us. This is an A, B, golden A, letters. A, B, C, A, B format yeah. of a song. Um, so... It's a C R A P format. <laughs> so, waka waka. <laughs> Statler and Warlorf, what do you think of that joke? Um, so this first letter goes if like this. If I was more on my game, I'd have a Statler and Waldorf joke for you there. But I don't. Hey, dudes. Did Stuart write this letter? Long-time listener, second-time writer of a letter. You may remember me as the person who has a crush on Tom Newton slash Dan. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Well, yeah that's stu- cool. We'll so you know as- Tom Newton and Dan are not the same person, right? <laughs> Aren't we? Uh, Tom Noonan, how did you get here? Wow, Francis Dollar. I've been himself. with you the whole time inside of you. That's weird. I don't like that. It's <laughs> a pretty great Tom Noonan slash Dan impression. Yeah. <laughs> well, seeing. That is what it would sound like if Tom Noonan and Dan got in that pod from the fly and combined it to one being. Uh, well, seeing how both Dan and Mr. Noonan are married, I'm still here looking for a boyfriend. Imagine my surprise when you guys mention that enemy of the podcast, David Kalen, is single. I hear he looks like a Jewish mountain man. I'm very much <laughs> well, into that. 
So if you guys wanted to give my email to him, I would be totally cool with that. I don't know what his type is, but if he's into ladies with blue hair and tattoos, maybe we're meant to be. Sincerely, Sarah, last name withheld. Do you like sports? Yeah, that's his type, is sports. I should probably mention... Are you a sport? Do you like like to correct things? I should probably mention I'm not Jewish, so this sort of depends on whether or not he dates lapsed Catholics. Well, Would Catholics that sit in laps? Yeah. Uh, Just for the record... David, my brother, does not does now, not just he... date Jewish girls. As far as I know, he's not involved in mm-hmm. anyone, but he never tells me these things. And he, if he likes sports, does he like women he with blue like hair and tattoos? Honestly, the only thing I know he has more like my thing. The only thing I know he has opinions on is sports. All right. So if you are hockey, basketball, football, or baseball, are you a good listener? <laughs> because he is a talker. Yeah. Do you like sarcasm? Do you like having your balls busted for no good reason? He is the Kalen family curse, I think. Of talkativeness. Cursed by a gypsy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to me so much, will you? (laughs) Well, from now on, your your generations to come will never stop talking. Uh, Oh, my aching bones. Oh, (laughs) you wouldn't carry my bucket of water with me to my hut, though. And so I curse ye with a tongue that will never rest. But uh, thank you for writing in. This this is an this I have to admit because we have a backlog. This email is a bit old. Maybe Sarah's she might be married by conditions now. have changed. But if not, maybe we'll maybe make a love connection out of this. Sure. Okay. Let me pull out my cupid colored arrow. Dave, why don't you write in and say if you're interested? Your cupid your cupid colored arrow. Why do you say anymore? that weird? Why do we... Because I'm tired. <laughs> because I'm tired. And my tongue is half asleep. I sat on it by accident. <laughs> now it's all pins and needles. For some reason, that's not a good enough excuse for me. No, because you do it all the time, 24 hours a day. That's true. Actually, that made me think of a new Hellraiser character, Pin Tongue. <laughs> he just <laughs> looks like a normal guy till he opens his mouth. and see his tongue. He's got a bunch of pins on it? In his tongue, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he drives a Pinto. Uh, <laughs> and that's the only kind of bean he eats. <laughs> so, I this mean, it's difficult. He's got a bunch of pins. His favorite old-time thing. Disney animator, Pinto Colvig, the voice <laughs> of Goofy. <laughs> this next letter... Starts out, good day, Flophouse. Since coming across your good podcast you too. in early spring, I've been going through all the old episodes. The other day, I was driving to work when the app for the Chaos Experiment, experiment number 48, well, an old one. started up with a warning on the subpar audio quality of this episode. I'm not sure what happened next. I may have reached for my iPod to skip the app, but the rest of the podcast continued, and it was at 1.5 times speed audio. Awesome. My reverence for the Flophouse host plummeted as I thought, these fucking idiots think their listeners are going to listen to them talk about a movie at 1.5 times speed? Are you fucking kidding? Shitheads. It's a lot of, lot of unnecessary <laughs> wow. swearing. I turned, I turned the Flophouse off. Many hours later in the day, I discovered the crappy new iOS 7 operating system has a playback speed button on the podcast app, allowing the user to listen at it, to a podcast at half, normal, one and a half, and two times speed. In case you want us speed. to sound like this... Yeah. Letters, <laughs> letters to the Yeah, fall let's make it last longer. <laughs> <laughs> Why on earth this feature exists is beyond my comprehension, and I transferred my very rational disgust in the direction of the shit for brainiacs at Apple. Many apologies for momentarily doubting you fellas. Thanks, Kyle, last name withheld. Well, no problem, Kamakala. No thanks, <laughs> Kyle, for your doubting. You yeah. got really angry at us. You it's got okay. really angry at us, buddy. I think we can take it. You know what? We're just voices in the ether. Let's yeah. take, you know what? I'm going to take Whispers Kyle's from side the dark. on this one. If I didn't know that we weren't 
screwing around with listeners, I'd get pretty mad too if I was a mm-hmm. listener. Mm-hmm. If I was like, look, hey, these knuckleheads are trying out some kind of experiment mm-hmm. on me. Some, some sort of hilarious of, Andy some Kaufman. Sort of chaos experiment, <laughs> and I don't like it. Yeah. All right, fair enough. But uh, thanks for continuing to give us a chance. Uh, but moving on. Don't sound desperate, dude. All my... Uh, uh, We're grade A prime beef. Sure. Uh, the next letter goes a little something like this. I write to you from a... Me, 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 I write to you from a hotel room in South Carolina, lying in a shitty bed, and Wait, I guess and thinking about poor, you... Poor quality bed, not a bed that's full of shit, right? I don't. She can't. He or she cannot respond. The th- <laughs> letter. Tell me. <laughs> New information. Letter. Explain. The three of you and some guest hosts kept me company for my 13-hour road trip from Massachusetts yesterday, and I thought I'd thank you. Feel free to chip in for gas money. Anywho, in the stretch of episodes, you realize we weren't actually in the car, right? That was just our voices <laughs> trapped, as if a witch had <laughs> had put us into a magic mirror of some kind. Um, so a lot of a lot I'll of keep Sutherland mirror. Uh, anywho, Wait, in, the, what? in what? the stretch of episodes, from the classic X-Men Origins Wolverine and the Jonathan Travolta vehicle from Paris with Love, Jonathan Travolta, <laughs> the discussion of Best Supporting Actress winners came up. I can't remember which episode, but essentially Dan said that Monique winning the Oscar in 2009 would usher in an, area, an, sorry, an era of supporting actress winners with apostrophes in their name. No, an area of supporting <laughs> actress winners. Just a, we have built a town for them, and we don't have to deal with them anymore. <laughs> That's racist. And now... <laughs> Support, against supporting actress winners. <laughs> and now history shows how prescient Dan truly is. For lo, in this year, a mere four years after a baby-throwing performance by Monique, <laughs> the Best Supporting Actress winner was Lapita Inongo, Inongo, uh Just Nice pronunciation, you've done dude. It, you've done it bad enough. Just keep going. <laughs> so good on you, Dan. You're only going to dig deeper on this one. All my best, Brian, last name. He even... Spelled it out. He said in Yongo. So. What he put the phonetic spelling in there for yeah, you? And yet you still had, had trouble <laughs> with it. Yeah. So um, I guess the point of this letter is donate to the foundation for Dan's tongue. <laughs> Hi. Just two dollars a day. <laughs> Do you have trouble saying ordinary words in the course of your ordinary day? You may have Dan's tongue syndrome <laughs> or DTS. <laughs> Sufferers of DTS often don't know they have it because they don't listen to themselves when they talk. It must be pointed out to them by their asshole friends who make fun of them all the time. So please, make fun of your friends. Or if you have DTS, let your friends make fun of you. And if you have DTF, that's something else entirely. I don't know what that is. Down to fuck. Now, um, why do you look at me when you said that, dude? Well, because you knew what it was. I, well, of course, but... There was no reason for you to bring that kind of vulgarity <laughs> into this podcast about a movie about old men wanting to have sex with young women. Um, so, moving on. This uh, next letter. <laughs> uh, first off, a hearty congratulations <laughs> all around for what appears to be an explosion in podcast popularity. You guys are the best and deserve to have... Don't worry, this episode will take care of that. <laughs> and deserve to have Cat on a Hot Tin Tin Roof... Ranked right up there in the annals of radio plays with Wells' War of the Worlds, and that I'm sure Elliot's sultry tones also caused widespread panic in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Second, (laughs) and to the heart of the matter. This is the hoax where they thought a southern woman somewhere liked Tintin. (laughs) People were just running out into the streets. people. So horrified, chaotic. (laughs) I don't understand. It defies logic. The government, they they fell apart. They can't help us. 
Second, and to the heart of the matter, as a woman who dates other women, I have waited with somewhat bated breath for the arrival of Blue is the Warmest Color and its potential for a not-shitty-slash-entirely-unbelievable-slash-somewhat-skin-crawling depiction of the intimacy between my people. While my partner and I differed... I got confused. Uh, while my partner and I differed on the intricacies of the film itself, narrative, style, pacing, etc., we agreed that it is an achingly beautiful movie. But in many ways, the flack that the movie has received since Cannes regarding the sex scenes... Uh, kind of... Like a dog. I think it's actually pronounced can. Regarding the sex scenes, kind James of prepped Cain. us... It's pronounced canes, as in a selection of canes. <laughs> oh, boy. Kind of prepped us to feel alienated before we even took our seats. Granted, most people who see the movie probably won't chew on their feelings about it quite as much, just because statistically most people who see the movie won't be on the queer spectrum. But man, without the countless printed back and forth about the sex, she and I probably would have either just been pleased at a more realistic stab at big screen lady banging, or felt the general vague discomfort one feels in a theater full of strangers watching actors go at it. In a perfect world, we would watch movies with fresh eyes, and obviously we're all swayed to a degree by critics or friends, but the coverage of this movie has been so outrageous and had such a marked effect on how I watched it that I was wondering if the hype around a film, whether controversy or acclaim or anything really, has genuinely altered your enjoyment of it. Whether it's you spending 45 minutes waiting for an infamous scene, like how I was warned repeatedly about the subtextual ambiguity of the rape scene in the original Straw Dogs, which takes you out of the film as soon as that scene actually occurs, uh, or if you've gone in really, really ready for some lauded film to blow you away and sort of convinced yourself that it was better than your gut told you. Like, sorry Dan, Rachel getting married. Either way, thank you gentlemen for lighting my world every other Saturday. Signed, Sappho, she didn't have a last name to withhold. I mean... Well, thank you for listening, and we appreciate but no, the compliments. thank you for telling me how I feel about Rachel getting married. What? No, she was just saying how she feels about oh, it. Oh, I thought that she was saying that I was con- convincing no, myself. No, no, she was I saying... I think you recommended Rachel getting married, mm-hmm. and she's saying you're a jerk face. Or, yeah, that yeah. was uh, those are the words. Dumbass, jerk face, uh, butt for brains. Yeah, I think that was what she said. <laughs> wow, she, she kept it saying, pretty clean. <laughs> she was saying that it was a movie she had heard great things about, but in her gut didn't like it. Ah. So she was apologizing to you that she Maybe like you it. were the words that she had heard. I apologize And she thinks to you're you. a turd. I have to say that misunderstanding. Uh, usually I'm not swayed as much before I see a movie by what people have said about whether they like it than by what I expect the movie to be from like the marketing materials mm. or what I expect the experience to be like. And often a movie that I should give, I should be more open-minded with, I don't like because it doesn't live up to what I thought it was going to be, which is not fair to the movie. But uh, with Blues and Worms Color, I haven't seen it yet, but I feel like I'd be more tainted by all the stories about how horrible it was to work with the director and how the two yeah, stars that made me feel bad about felt it. really tortured by him, you know. Um, I, I'm I, to, I've actually I, read very little about it other than, you know, all the stuff Dan said about it. So I'm looking forward to so going into going it with into relatively it, fresh eyes. Like a newborn babe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like a, like a powder. <laughs> no, powder was, uh, was it's just like a guy with... Lightning yeah, but I thought he was like uh, like a homunculus or something. I know he was totally his, fresh. His mother was struck by lightning, which made him into a bald albino Superman. Okay, I'm not. I I can't think of like a really great example of this off the top of my head, but I do feel like I often fall into the trap of of trap. E- expecting too much from a movie um, based on. Uh, you know, it being very well regarded. Well, there are, yeah, there's certainly times when, like, if a movie is hyped up too much in terms of it's a classic or something mm-hmm. like that, or it's it's amazing, You, ha- I feel like sometimes I have to, like, 
settle myself before I see it and be like, let me just watch this as if I've heard, as if it just started now. Yeah. I remember, the, I like, I feel like in this last year, I remember watching the screener of her and being like, okay, I like this. I don't. Well, that was, yeah, that was a movie where I'd read a lot, a lot about how amazing it was. And when I watched it, I think it was more that it was not the movie I was interested in seeing. And so I was like, oh, this is. There's a certain point in that, that movie where it, it goes down a very, I feel like, traditional expected role uh, uh, or not role. Um, root. Root. And uh, I, I kind of expected it to keep the inventiveness of the early scenes throughout the film. And it just didn't do that. Um, but you were, you were talking about like. Um, Eep. Uh, Godzilla, I mean, which you haven't seen. I still but haven't seen it yet. Like, but I, I mean, I've seen the original Godzilla. Right. But I liked... By which I mean the 1998 version. Why, are there other versions? <laughs> I, I liked One the new Godzilla. Movie. I neither loved it nor hated Baby it, Godzilla. but I feel like there's so many people out there who either love that movie. <laughs> the They're ba- like velociraptors. The sequel to Baby yeah. Genius is Baby Godzilla's. <laughs> mm-hmm. They got there, big diapers. Yeah, Godzilla has... Found, there are people on either... There's <laughs> very few, few people in the middle ground except for Dan. It's very lonely there. Well, like, Somebody I join in, him in the middle ground. <laughs> but I, I'm kind of surprised that people either loved or hated that movie so much because I thought that that movie was a good version of an old style monster movie. Like it was a like it was nothing totally new, but it was a more classic monster film than other film. And and you were saying that you think that it was probably because of the way it was marketed, where it, it, it that movie had such great marketing that it promised something. Crazy well, that maybe it didn't I, I haven't seen it yet either, but I feel like every criticism I read is that, like, not enough Godzilla, boring, and that, that's not enough to turn me off of the movie. Yeah, I feel the same. I haven't seen it, but I feel the same way. But I do feel like there are movies, like, Godzilla's trailers were fantastic, and maybe it falls in the same trap that Prometheus fell into, which I think is the example I used when I was talking to you, where those tra- that trailer was fantastic, the original Prometheus trailer. It is maybe the best trailer I can think of since the original Alien trailer, which is maybe the best trailer ever cut for a movie. Alien, the trailer for Alien is so scary on its own and so suspenseful and tells no lies about the movie. And everything that's promised in that trailer comes to fruition in the movie. Whereas Prometheus, one, they had that stupid mystery aspect to it where they're like, maybe we're not going to tell you what's in this movie. But the trailer was so good and the movie was like fun. I, had, I enjoyed it a lot, but it's nothing, no great shakes. You know, that I think people, instead of being like, that was all right, we're like, that put the, sucks. Put that on the DVD that was box. The <laughs> no great shakes. <laughs> um, but uh, very quick. Last letter of the evening. Hello, floppers. I was told you like it when listeners keep their letters short. Regards, Billy, last name withheld. Oh, hey, thanks, Billy. So thanks. Billy Wilder, everybody. Yeah. Blitz, <laughs> Billy Wilder. Well, he, Showing was he the so, wits. When was he supposed to get here? Him. <laughs> One of the greatest screenwriters of classic Hollywood. But uh, now we move on to our final segment of the evening. Okay. Final judgments. No, no, no. Because final is in final What did you think of those letters? I gave them good, good letters. Yeah, they're good Yeah, they're great letters. I was just testing you guys. Thanks for writing in. I'm sorry that and we didn't have better answers. And that's the end of the show. Good night, everybody. No, no, no. There's one last segment. What's the last segment, Dan? Uh, where we recommend movies that we actually liked, um, unlike uh, Las Vegas, even though I kind of liked Las Vegas, but not like I like the movie that I'm going to recommend. Which is? Uh, I had the pleasure playing, yeah. of seeing um, Stop like, Making Sense, the Talking Heads concert film directed by Jonathan Demi. Jonathan um, Demi Moore. 
at uh, the Brooklyn Academy of Music. It's like it's a small version of a more <laughs> a re-release uh, in a larger uh, release soon. But um, this Brooklyn Academy of Music screening had actually Jonathan Demi and another producer there to answer a Q&A. Oh, yeah, so you afterwards. recommend seeing Stop Making Sense when the director is No, there. I recommend seeing Stop Making Sense. It's qualified. Um, <laughs> I recommend seeing it on a big screen because this is not only... The bigger the better. Projected on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> this is not only my favorite concert film and I think inarguably one of the best concert films ever made. It is one of my favorite movies which was driven home seeing it on a big screen with big sound where um after every uh number that that talking heads did people would burst into applause as if the people on stage could actually hear them appreciate their uh music making and um and you stood up and you said you fools it's on film <laughs> don't you see it was like you're uh, being taken for a pack of idiots <laughs> <laughs> they're playing a laugh on you what do you think this is like the great train robbery? That train's not going to run you down. No, but it was uh, it was good. It, it was it was great. And uh, one of the great things about Stop Making Sense is it's just a beautifully constructed stage show. It's where you really see David Byrne's uh, background as an art student and his interest in staging. Any, and in, any giant robot zombies come out on stage? A giant suit. That's not as so cool. you're looking um, for more of an Iron Maiden type. Yeah, show? like an Eddie type figure. <laughs> But it's also who they then like fight when he's on stage. Yeah, he like lifts up Adrian Smith while he does a wicked guitar solo. I'll I'll, I'll wrap this up. My least favorite part of any video, any YouTube video of an Iron Maiden show is when the giant Eddie comes out and it's like, "Was this the Six Flags Iron Maiden show?" Whatever, dude, shut up. <laughs> I'll wrap this up very quickly, but I do want to say that it was also there's something kind of bittersweet to watching Stop Making Sense because you you really feel the joy that all of these performers are having playing music with one another, and you know how short-lived that joy is going to be and how uh, talking heads are all going to end up hating each other very shortly thereafter and not play together again. Not do so much talking amongst themselves Mm -hmm. anymore. From their heads. But uh, (laughs) stop making sense. Watch it uh, on DVD if you can't see it any other way, but uh, see it in the re-release if if you can. And if if Jonathan Demme's there, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Ask him some questions. I would like to recommend a movie also by a director named Demi, but not Jonathan Demi. No, really. Uh, Jacques Jacques Demi, Demi, director of The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Jacques Demi Moore? Yeah, Jacques Demi Moore, brother of Jonathan Demi Moore. This is not a music film, though, uh, that I'm going to recommend. This is one of his earliest films. I think it's his first full length, and it's called Lola. And it's from 1961, and it stars Anouk Amy and a couple of other actors now this lola was she a showgirl uh she was a dancer yeah okay. and she sings one song in it uh about her stage character lola uh and it's a french new wave movie that's like not one of the big major development ones but it's a very fun touching movie about a bunch of characters this dancer who has a son and who is still in love with the man who left her years ago with this son but who she doesn't expect ever to come back an old childhood friend of hers who comes back now and has a crush on her, a single mother who has a teenage daughter uh, who both are looking for connections with men in their own way, one out of loneliness, the other out of curiosity, and an American sailor from Chicago who is kind of in a casual relationship with Lola but is, is kind of floating through his time in Paris 
or not even, I don't remember if it's Paris or if it's a, it's a, it's a coastal town, I think, I can't remember. But uh, floating through his time in France and just kind of interacting with these other characters. And it's not, the characters intersect a lot, but it's not super plot heavy, but it's very fun at times and also just charming at other times and very touching at other times. And the photography in it is this beautiful kind of straightforward early 1960s black and white photography that's really crisp uh, with a lot of great angles, and I really enjoyed it a lot. So, Lola. So, a French New Wave movie and a movie about a New Wave band. Stuart, what do you have? What New Wave <clears throat> are you doing? And it better be Surf Nazis Must Die. <laughs> the wave I'm doing. Uh, so, it's a wave of blood in a way. <laughs> okay, that sounds scary. <laughs> uh, so, this is a movie from 2010. Uh, it's a movie called Stakeland. Uh, it's a somewhat qualified... <laughs> I like the sound of this place. It sounds delicious. <laughs> it sounds... Uh, this is kind of a qualified recommendation. Um, so this is... Uh, <laughs> In that I didn't like this movie. <laughs> well, this is a movie that feels very much like a promising start to a young uh, horror or suspense director's career. Um, the director, Jim Mickle, uh, just recently released a movie called Cold in July, which is based on a Joe Lansdale novel, and it's getting some good press. He also is involved in what looks like a TV series based on the Happen Leonard series of Joe Lansdale's mm. short stories, which mm. is exciting. Um, and from uh, Stakeland, it, that sounds like a decent fit. It's a movie. It's basically a post-apocalyptic movie where instead of your traditional like zombie apocalypse, you have a vampire apocalypse, and it follows uh, a young boy who also is the narrator, like a I guess a teenager. Who uh, who travels around with a hardened vampire slayer um, as they go from settlement to settlement, uh, trying to head north to uh, to New Eden, um, which is a like a promised land. And uh, along the way, they run into religious fanatics, multiple horrible vampire situations, um, and other things. And uh, there's some great stuff about, like, there's some great, uh, like, uh, you know, civilization in ruins, but hope still rises from the ashes type things. Uh, there's some great stuff with uh, the evil religious cultists that are led by Michael... Oh, I, I don't Ian remember Black. his name. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Mike, in an interesting, terrible, uh, evil role. Michael for him. Moore. Um, now, the, the evil vampire is played by the guy who played uh, the lead... Uh, the the lead bald guy from Fringe. What are those those bald guys? Oh yeah, the strangers. Or yeah, whatever. the strangers or whatever those guys. Uh, Fringies. Yeah, they call them fringos. They call them surries <laughs> with the fringe on top. Fringes. And uh, I mean the the there's a couple issues like there's a there's a like a climax that's a little strange and feels a little forced, and there's a little bit too much narration from the uh, the hero who is played by the annoying younger brother from Revenge. Um, of the nerds, <laughs> if only. Uh, but no, I I think it's good. It's got some great little, uh, some great practical effects, and there's some genuine scary moments. So if you like, if you like vampire movies and you like uh, post-apocalyptic stuff, I'd recommend it. All right. So guys, it's time to get out of this sweat-filled room. <laughs> this is a very hot room that we're in. Yeah. Dan, mm-hmm. when did we decide to record these in the sauna at the Friars Club? <laughs> Yeah, your sleeves just slowly go up and up. My new apartment without air conditioning. So, um, well, guys, I say you can imagine our flesh glistening. 
And if we bump into each other, we'll stick for a yeah. second. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, we're taking we'll our peel apart. Slowly separate. <laughs> peel apart like uh, some bubble tape. <laughs> yep. so. Six feet of bubble gum for you, not them. <laughs> so I say, <laughs> anyway. hey guys, I had a good time. In 58 but, years, let's reunite and do this same podcast in Las Vegas. Sounds good. I thought it was Lust Vegas. Lust Vegas. Coming soon to a... Where pleasure a pl- is paid and pain is cable pleasure. Premium cable site. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. Why? Yeah, because uh, Pintung is the leader. <laughs> no, Pintung is not part of Lust Vegas. <laughs> Whose favorite playwright is Harold Pinter. <laughs> yeah. Harold Pintung. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this is devolved into chaos. Uh, for the podcast, I've been Dan McCoy. That's been Elliot Kalen. Over there is Stuart Wellington, and he will always be Stuart Wellington forever. Good night, Good night, everyone. Oh, I'm, I'm clearly Johnny Storm. Thought I was more of a Ben Grimm type, but that's okay. No, you're more of a... Uh, uh, Chris Evans? More of a slapstick. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that carries over pretty well on a podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> So, Dan, we're going to start this, or what's the... Mm. Let's set the night on fire. Nope. (laughs) Because we are young, you know that?